party. How we doing? Yes. Hey, do me a favor. Why don't you stand up to your feet for me real fast? Stand up to your feetsies. That's right. Hey, um, before we get started, I just want to say this. Um, Pastor Clay, I know you're watching. First of all, happy anniversary. Nine years. Hey. Half of y'all were nine when they got married. Anyway, um, seriously, and that's not a joke. Anyway, um, but uh, listen, Pastor Clay, I just want you to know, I know you're watching this, and I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, it means the world to me um, that you trust me with this opportunity. I don't know that you're smart for giving me this microphone, but whatever, that's debatable. But nonetheless, it, it means the world that you believe in me to be here uh, to talk to Sub 30 here tonight. And so thank you. We love you so much. Happy anniversary, and tell Jude we love him. Yeah, all right. Do they have Jude with them? That would be, they got him? Yeah, that's weird. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, listen, I, I just want to say, I, I really feel like the presence of God is in this room here tonight. And um, I, think, I think that God may has, has already done some amazing stuff in here tonight and is certainly pre preparing to, to do even more. And I, I don't know if that's confirmation or revelation for you tonight, but all I know is that God, God is on the move as he is every week, but God's on the, on the move in here tonight. Um, and my name is Petey Bing. I'm, I'm the Celebration College pastor here at Celebration Church. Yeah. Hi, friends. Just wanted you guys to know they are the best stinking group of students I've ever met in my whole life. They are unbelievable. Those, man, they're going to impact the world like nothing I've ever seen before. But anyway, um, I love you. Anyway, so, um, but um, if y'all know me and you do, um, you know that I am much more a teacher than I am a preacher. You know, I can't fake what I'm not, and I'm, I'm not a very good preacher. I just like to teach a lot. Um, but the word that God put in my heart um, for tonight is very much more of a preachy word than it is a teachy word. So, God help us all. So, we'll see how that goes. And here's where it gets even weirder. Where it gets even weirder is if you were here for church this week on Pastor Carrie. Wasn't that amazing? Man, she tore it up. Crazy because she spoke on the woman uh, with the issue of blood, right? And no lie, me and Pastor Carrie did not talk, and somehow I landed on preaching about the story of Jairus, which happens to encapsulate that story. And so it's pretty crazy that you guys will be Mark 5 champions by the end of this weekend. It's going to be amazing. But um, that's what we're going to talk about here tonight is the story of Jairus. More specifically, what it means to be hungry for God. I think that's a Christian term that we throw around a lot, be hungry for God. And sometimes it gets weird when you say it because you're like, that's bizarre, you know. But nonetheless, we're going to talk about what it means to be hungry for God, what it means to be hungry when it's easy, what it means to be hungry when it's hard, what it means to be easy when things are great, and what it means to be hungry when things are bad. Like, that's what we're going to talk about here tonight, and I truly believe uh, that God wants to move in a massive way, and it only makes sense that I would title this message tonight, Hangry. Yeah. You're welcome. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we're just so grateful for all you do. And God, tonight, we just give you this night. God, we know that you've already done some amazing, incredible things. God, that you are beautiful. And God, that every move, God, that you're making here tonight, God, is going to impact eternity. And God, I just pray that you continue to move. And God, that you tell us and show us tonight, God, what it means to be hungry for you. And God, how we embrace that at a deeper level. God, we just love you. We thank you in advance for all that's going to happen. God, we love you. We worship you and we praise you. Amen and amen. You can take your seats, sub 30. Oh, beautiful. And go ahead, open up that Bible, turn it on, whatever you do, and open it to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. 
And while you're going there, let me just go ahead and drop this spiel on you real fast, okay? Is it cool? So here's the thing. There's only one thing that's worse than being hungry, and that's being hangry, right? Um, now, here's the deal. If you don't know what hanger is, um, first of all, you should be exiled from the country. Um, but nonetheless, here's what it means, right? It's when you are so hungry, when you yearn so desperately for some food that you get so mad at anything or everything within sight of you. You know what I'm talking about. One person cares. Okay, anyway. Yeah, that guy is really hungry. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, but it's funny because it's, it's, it's a very interesting concept, this hanger thing. I'm not going to lie to you. I, uh, I live a very fast-paced lifestyle. Um, it feels like every part of my life is very demanding and very, and I just work in a lot of different areas and move quite a bit. And so, believe it or not, there's days where I just totally forget to eat, you know? It's like four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, oh, cool. I drank a glass of water today. That's all I got going for me. Um, and I go home and poor Farah, my wife's here tonight. I love her so much and I'm really sorry about everything. But anyway... Um, and so I go home and poor Farah has to reap the benefits of my hanger. I don't know why I said benefits because it's not. Anyway, so I walk in the door and she just knows it. She's a mental health counselor, so she can look me in the eyes and like read my soul. It's really weird um, and beneficial sometimes. But nonetheless, I come home. She's like, Petey, you're in a bad mood. And what's funny about hanger is that when you're hangry, you're like in denial about being hangry. You know what I'm saying? Like I walk in the door and she's like, have you eaten today? And I'm like, it doesn't matter if I've eaten today. I'm just in a mood, okay? I don't know what I'm doing with anything in my life right now. And she's like, you need to eat. And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't need to eat. But then you sit down to eat, and you literally have one bite. Like, all it takes is one. Am I wrong? It takes one bite. And it's like your life is restored, you know? And you're like, oh, my God, I've screwed up. I have said things that I cannot take back. She was so right. I was just hungry. That was it. It has transformed me into a demon, not eating. I'm so sorry. Oh, gosh. But here's the thing. How, how true of that is that for our spiritual life? You know, you think about it. We walk around. Let me just think about it this way. People are hungry for something. At all points of your life, no matter how old you are, no matter what gender you are, no matter where you are in the world, people are always hungry for some type of satisfaction of something. People are hungry for acceptance. People are hungry to be valued. People are hungry to be loved. People are hunger, uh, they hunger for words of affirmation. They hunger for people to just pursue them in friendship. They're hungry for something. And unfortunately for us, we live in a world that is really good at offering up things that are seemingly good at satisfying that hunger, right? Let, let me just tell you this. You ever know those Snickers? They say, like, hungry, why wait? You know what I'm talking about? And it's like, oh, good. It's like a meal replacement bar, apparently, or something, right? But I'm not going to lie. If I eat a Snickers, all that I want is more Snickers. You know what I mean? Like, it just made me more hungry. In fact, they give you two in it because they just know you're going to be more hungry when this is over. It doesn't make any sense. So it's marketing schemes, right? But that's the things that the world offer you are very similar to that, right? They offer you things that supply this like very temporary high almost. And it becomes something that you keep yearning after because it gave you this temporary high. But unfortunately, on the other side of it brought you down to your lowest of lows. Here's what I mean by that. 
people, um, just so you know, we're going to talk real tonight. Is that cool? Like, don't, please, let's do it. Yeah. I don't, I don't need to offend anybody. I'm not doing anything. I'm just telling you, I sit with a lot of people and I hang out with a lot of people and I, I have the privilege of counseling quite a few people. And in that, I, I, I learn a lot, you know, and of course I'm a human being too, so I deal with a lot. But here, here's the facts, right? People who are hungry uh, for words of affirmation, you know what they'll do is they'll put up selfies every single day so that people will comment on what they look like, Right? Now, I'm not saying that all selfies are bad, okay? Let's just, don't be mad at me and stop listening. But you know what I'm saying. There are, it's, it's very true. People will admit it. Um, there are people who, um, in an effort to have their voice heard, they will say things that is very much out of turn and very much overstepping boundaries and very much just digs them deeper into a hole rather than glorifying their voice, right? People who are, are, are hungry for love and hungry for somebody to accept them, they, they find themselves just sleeping around with people because that's the only place where they feel like somebody will embrace them in love. And yeah, it gives you this temporary high that may stick around for a little bit, but you have to know the satisfaction that comes from God is eternal, right? The satisfaction from God is something that can't be matched. You have to understand that people are hungry for a satisfaction that can only be given by God. They're hungry for a satisfaction that can only be given by God. Let me read this to you. Um, This is John chapter 6, verse 33 through 35, it says this, For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us, this is bread, this is the disciples, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so Jesus is saying the world's going to offer you all different types of bread, all kind of different things that's going to satisfy that hunger. But you need to know that the real bread that will sustain you into eternity comes from the person of Jesus Christ. And there is no other human being um, or no other story in the Bible that to me exemplifies this, at least at a deeper level, when you really go in deep to this story than the story of Jairus. And maybe you know it or maybe you don't, but tonight we're going to walk through that story. I'm going to show you how it ties in from his perspective, uh, perspective with the woman with the issue of blood. And then we'll kind of go from there because you'll see that the man was hungry and he didn't even know that he was hungry. Let me show you. So let's start. In uh, Mark 5, we're going to start reading in verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, he had just got done um, healing the demon-possessed man, which I actually talked about last time I was in here a few months ago. Same story. When Jesus had again crossed over by the lake, uh, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus. Now, uh, Pastor Kerry said this way better than I would ever have said this, but basically Jairus is, is like a campus pastor for a synagogue. I think that's great. That's a great way to describe who he is. Because here's the thing. We don't know if he was a Pharisee or not. We're not really sure. But here's what we do know. We do know that he was very closely associated with Pharisees, which means that his view of who Jesus was probably was pretty skewed, right? He had just heard about what Jesus was doing, but he certainly wasn't in the, in the realm of people who were talking about Jesus being the Messiah, right? Okay. So says, go, where were we? So then one of the synagogues leader named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her. Funny how just one touch from God can change any, everything, right? Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. 
Um, I told you that my wife is here tonight, but it's not just her alone. If you look at her closely and you don't need to look at her closely, there's a baby in there. Yeah. She is 35 weeks pregnant with our little daughter. So we might be cutting this short if I need to get out of here when the water's on the ground. Anyway, that was gross. God. <laughs> but here's the thing, man. I'll tell you, now that, now that I know there's a little girl in there, y'all, it is. It, she's, I haven't even met her in the flesh yet, and she's changed everything about me, you know? Like Hallmark commercials come on, and I just start crying. It's weird, man. Farrah's like, there wasn't even a, like a little girl in that commercial. Like, I don't care. I love her, and I love you too. Remember that, but I love her and stuff. And so I could only imagine, I, don't even, I haven't even met her in the flesh yet, but I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be Jairus and to have my daughter lying on a bed in my house dying. And I mean, I could only imagine, I mean, clearly it doesn't tell us, but I, I couldn't imagine that Jesus was his first idea. He wasn't working with people whose Jesus was their first idea, right? I'm sure that he was pulling in all sorts of Roman officials and people who claimed to be doctors or sorcerers or whatever they were doing back then and just pulling in all these jokers and saying, I need you to heal my daughter and nothing was working. And so then Jairus is like, well, there's rumors of this Jesus guy going around performing miracles. And so here he is at his most desperate of times looking for his daughter to find healing and he he says, let me just run to Jesus, fall at the feet of Jesus, and just pray that this works. You ever, you ever been there? Gosh. You know, I, I, I had a very interesting life growing up. I know you look at me and you just see this weird ball of energy that you could probably never deal with, but the fact is, I had a pretty, pretty crazy uh, childhood and, and upbringing. It was, it was pretty crazy. It was, um, I, I grew up with three sisters. I was the only guy in our family. So there's the beginning of it all. But um, anyway, um, and now I have a daughter on the way. God loves me. All right. So, um, so, uh, but man, it was, it, things were normal for a little bit, but then, you know, things kind of, kind of got weird there for a little bit. And, um, I, you know, my life started being defined as, um, it was me being very rejected, me being kind of pushed off to the side, um, a lot of abuse. Um, it was a very, very hard situation to grow up in, and I had all these sisters, and, and so in my mind, it was, it was the manly thing for me to do is to just lock up my emotions and be the strong one moving through this. Um, my house was torn apart by adultery, adultery that's been in our family generational curse for years and years up to the generation before me. And pushing through that, um, we had my older sister, my oldest sister, um, she got herself into a lot of trouble. She was 18 when everything went down and um, got herself into a lot of trouble. She found herself uh, getting diagnosed with a pretty severe mental disorder. Um, she was a very pretty girl and um, a lot of people took advantage of her. And she found herself in some, some things of like pornographic nature, uh, even to this day. Uh, we, we don't, we can't talk with her. We don't know where she is or what she's doing. Um, and that, that was kind of the beginning of all of that for us. And it just started us down this really, really, really hard road. And uh, I was diagnosed with a heart condition when I was in the sixth, well, right before the sixth grade, um, that put me on this medicine. I have a nerve blockage and, uh, it put me on this medicine that made me gain, uh, just a lot of weight. It was just kind of one of the symptoms of it. And going into middle school is hard enough, but going into middle school, putting on weight is not the best. And so you better believe that my sixth grade year was, was, was hell. And things were said to me that are still, that still sometimes the enemy tries to use against me, you know? Um, and it was rough. And I, I specifically remember for about three years, 
I spent every night crying myself to sleep, not telling anybody that I was because it was so hard and it was so difficult to push through. And honestly, I didn't know what to do. And so, um, so finally one day I was so fed up with it and I didn't know what to do with my life. And so I kind of just changed who I was, right? And um, I became, I started looking for, I was hungry for something, you know, and, and I didn't know what I needed satisfaction from, but I just knew that I was hungry for something. And so I started looking for things and uh, I got involved in alcohol. Um, I got involved with girls. I got involved with parties. I was that guy at the party who they're like, hey, what would happen if you jump off this roof into the pool? You think you'll survive? And I'm like, sure, I'll try. You know, that was me. That was the guy that I was doing stupid, stupid things just to try and be accepted, you know, and just to try to feel like I was worth something and just to try to feel like somebody loved me. And you know what? It worked for a while, you know? Honestly, it did. It, it worked for a little bit, but every night when I put my head back on my pillow, something was still wrong. Maybe you're identifying with this. I, I, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I was at wit's end. And um, so I heard about this Jesus thing. I didn't go, come from a church family at all. We never really went to church. And I heard about this Jesus thing, and so I went. And um, in a time of desperation, man, I fell to my knees, just like Jairus did. I was hungry for satisfaction in something. I, I needed something. I felt like my life was falling apart. I felt like I was dying. I felt like my dreams were dying. I felt like everything was falling apart, just like Jairus. And so I run to Jesus, not really knowing if this is going to work, but whatever. And I fall to my knees. And I just, I didn't know how to pray, if I'm being honest. I was like, I don't know what to do, but I'm here, whatever, right? And this guy, uh, actually a guy that I knew, uh, approached me after that service was over. God, I trusted. I loved him. I still love him a lot. And he walked up to me and he said, Petey, I just want you to know that, that God told me to tell you something. And I was like, oh, God, okay, what does this mean? And he said, Petey, God wants you to know that you're going to be a part of changing the world. And, um, oh, man. And, um, y'all, for whatever reason, it was those words that it gave me something to hold on to. Yeah, you know, it did. Yeah. Thanks. Anyway, so... Um, but it did. It gave me something to hold on to. And, and, and just like this, right, notice that Jesus, he went with Jairus. And I feel like I left that church that day, and I felt like Jesus was alongside me, you know? But, but here's the problem. I told you we're going to be real honest. Man, this Christian thing, this life thing, it's, it's a journey. I, I wish that the story ended there. And I think a lot of us wish that the story ended there. But it didn't for me. And it didn't for Jairus. So here, here's, here's what happens after that. He, he comes across now, they're walking to Jairus' house, and he comes across the woman with the issue of blood, right, who's been bleeding for 12 years. She reaches out as they're walking to Jairus' house, touches the hem of his garment, and then he stops and turns and starts to do this whole thing with, with the woman with the issue of blood. It says, but Jesus kept looking around. This is verse 32. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, as if it couldn't rub it in enough, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed for your suffering. And man, that's great, right? Isn't that awesome? Like, that's such a great story. I mean, it's so cool that that happened to that woman. But could you imagine what it was like to be Jairus when that went down? Think about it. He was there. He was watching it. And so he's walking with Jesus. Jesus stops, and this whole thing goes down. Jairus in his mind is like, yo, daughter's dying. We, we should probably move faster than this. And so all this is going down, and Jesus is like, daughter. And then Jairus is like, no, daughter. Yeah, but daughter, right? You know, like, I don't know that. Okay, listen. And then Jesus stays there and just starts conversing with this woman. 
And Jairus is like, hey, uh, Jesus, you remember me? You made me a promise like, like a mile that way. Do you remember? And I need you to fulfill that promise because I'm going a little crazy here, you know? Come on, man. It's great that you did that. Uh, cool, right? Yeah. Awesome. But Jairus had to learn a very, very important lesson, the same lesson that I had to learn. See, I left that church. And right after, not too long after that church, after that, I really felt like God spoke to me through that man. He said, you're going to be a part of changing the world. And I left that church, and I, 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 everything went south. Uh, my dad got sick again. My heart condition came back. I went back on that medicine. Um, things just slowly, slowly started unraveling. And here's the kicker, is that all of my friends were getting blessed like crazy. And I'm like, like their families are coming back together and like there's healing happening in their life. And I mean, just, just such great things are happening. And I'm like, hey, Jesus, you remember me? You made me a promise in that church like a year ago. And here I stand 50 pounds heavier because of that thing that I'm back on again. And all my family's going, psycho. I don't even know what's going on anymore. I'm still crying myself to sleep at night. God, you made me a promise and I feel like you're not fulfilling it. Oh my gosh, I said it, but I said it. How many times do you feel like that in your life where you feel like God has made you a promise, but it's not fulfilled yet? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking real. That is hard. What do you do in those situations? Well, it's funny because Jairus learned a lesson that I had to learn because Jairus, on the journey to his house, on the journey to the fulfilled promise, had to stop and love on and intercede for people along the way. You know, it's funny, but the way that you see other people be blessed in your life, other people be blessed, is either going to slow you or it's going to grow you. Right? And man... That's what's called being selfless, right? That's what's called dying to yourself and giving your life as, 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 as just like Jesus, right? And giving your life for others, right? And even as you're walking your way towards a promise, you're stopping and you're interceding for people and loving your friends because you know you, are, you, you put them before yourself, right? So when all that plays out, when all that goes down, actually, let me just tell you this. You know, it's kind of funny. You'll notice this if you look back in your life. But it's, it's when God starts answering your prayers of intercession for your friends, um, when you start praying for other people and it starts happening, it's funny. You better buckle up because that means God's about to do something massive in your life. I want you to know that. And I don't say that to do that selfishly, but I say to do that because that's part of the salvation redemption plan of God is for you to get involved and be praying for your friends and be praying for your family and be praying for the people who need a promise from God in your life. All right. So the story goes on. Mark 5, verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, while he was still speaking, and Jairus was still working through all of emotions. So while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and they said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And so while they're in the middle of intercession, they came and they brought Jairus this devastating news that the promise that Jesus had made to him had failed. You know, I know I told you this before, but um, not long after all of this went down, just about six years later, um, I, I was out of college. I came home, and I got this phone call um, that my dad had passed away. My dad was the anchor for our family. He was, um, he's, he's truly what made me who I am today. He believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. He was always there for me. He loved me earnestly. I mean, it was, he was an incredible man, and we lost him, um, and I didn't even get to say bye. You know, I, I went to bed 
the night before and high-fived him, <laughs> you know? And, um, and I lost him, and it set into motion where I had to take a, a legal guardianship of my little sister. Um, we had no money, you know? We were paying a mortgage to keep her in the school that she was in um, that we couldn't afford. In fact, when she graduated, I had to immediately get out of everything, and I literally lived homeless for like two months. You remember that, Farah? It was the worst. Motel 6, man, mold. Anyway, um, but uh, it was crazy, you know? And, and it was like, I got delivered this terrible news that, hey, man, your, your dad's dead. And to me, my dad was the only rock in my life. And I felt like everything, everything fell apart in a moment. I felt like it was over. But then I learned a very important lesson that Jairus is learning here as well. Makes you ask the question, what kind of people do you have in your life? Because here Jairus has these people who find it appropriate to run all the way down the road to let him know that death has occurred in his life. To let him know that something negative has gone down. You know, there are people in your life who unfortunately will speak death into every situation that you have. And you better know that when it comes to your spiritual well-being and when it comes to your relationship with God, you better get people in your corner who are going to be there with you, who are going to turn everything and show you that God will work everything together for good. <laughs> who do you have in your corner? That's part of, part of overcoming the anger side of your hunger, right? It's because you might be so hungry that you don't even know that you're hungry, and then you get hangry because you're like, God, I need you to do something, and now I'm just mad at you. And you know what Jairus learns? He learns in this lesson right here that, you know what? These people aren't helping me. I need somebody better to get in my life who can speak optimism and peace and hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ into my life. That's what I need. And so look at what my man Jesus does. Mm. Verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Here's a word of positivity thrown right into the mix. He says, don't be afraid, just believe. You know, at some point, at some point, you have to come to a crossroad where you have to decide that you're going to believe. You have to hit a point. It's going to happen to you. This is life. The curse of sin is very real. But Jesus came to break the curse of sin for you so that you can make the decision actively and believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you know what happens? All of a sudden, your perspective of life changes. And now, when things are seemingly going wrong, you say, no, I'm not going to be afraid because I believe in the Savior of the world who came to die for me so that I can have life and life abundant. Don't be afraid. Just believe. The Bible says, Psalm 34, 4, that I sought him and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. I don't want to live a life of fear and I don't want you to live a life of fear. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Mark 5, 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the inner circle of the disciples. Why? Because he wanted to get some better people in the corner of Jairus. Am I right? When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went inside and he said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. Here we have a room of people that do not believe of anything that Jesus can do. They do not believe. They think that this is the end of the road. The promise will not be fulfilled. This girl is dead and she ain't coming back. But Jesus shows up and he says, oh, temporary. We may be whatever, but guess what? Homegirl in eternity is living. She's just sleeping. Guess what? Your life is not over. Guess what? Your dream is not dead. Guess what? Your life is not falling apart because Jesus, when he intervenes, everything changes. Everything, 
will change. So check this out, Mark 5:40. After he put them all out, he kicked those jokers out of the room. Yes. Some of us have some people that we need to kick out of the room. All right. <laughs> he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. Notice that in this moment, where Jairus was hungry, he was probably angry, he didn't know what was going to happen, he didn't know what was going to go down in this room. But Jesus let only a certain amount of people in because Jesus knew that those were the only people who had the faith to see this miracle actually happen. And I, I challenge you with this, man. Do you have a faith that is capable of seeing miracles? I'm not lying. I don't want to get kicked out of the room. I want to see Jesus advance the kingdom of God on planet Earth. I want to see Jesus make a massive move that he's never done in the history of planet Earth. And I want to be there to see it. And I want you to be there to see it. Do we have a faith that's capable of staying in the room? A faith that's capable of seeing miracles? Verse 41, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kuum. Sure, that might be right. Anyway, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And check this out. And told them to give her something to eat. How about that? Here you have the bread of life standing in the room. In a room that was just filled with negativity, unbelief, terrible lack of faith. Jesus comes in, performs a miracle, and gives them something to eat. Something that brings that girl back to life. After my dad died, I, I had a bad go of it. I'm not going to lie. Um, I had some pretty low lows for a while, and I, and I did everything I could um, to continue seeking after Jesus. And I remember um, I was in the midst of worship. And, man, I was hungry. No, nah, I was hangry. And I said, God, I, I don't know what's going on. You made a promise, and, and I need it, and I don't know what's happening here. You told me I was going to be a part of changing the world, and I, I, don't, I, f I feel like the world's crumbling on me. <sighs> So I was standing in the midst of worship one day. I mean, I'm just, I was at wit's end, wit's end. And uh, for the first time in my life, God gave me, um, and the only time in my life so far, that God gave me a physical vision that I actually saw. And this is what it was. Uh, it was a stadium, right? It was a stadium, 90,000-seat stadium. And there was this massive revival going on inside of the stadium. And, I mean, just masses were coming to Jesus. And there was a person on the platform that was leading this whole revival, whom which God was working through to lead this revival. But the funny thing about the vision is that that wasn't me on the platform. I was seated in the front row so proud because I had developed and made relationship and brought to life through the name of Jesus Christ, that person standing on the platform. Yeah. And all of a sudden it made sense when God said, you're going to be a part of changing the world. And everything came clear to me. That how in the world am I going to develop people 
How in the world am I going to be a part of changing the world and developing and discipling the people whom which God is going to radically change planet Earth with if I haven't experienced suffering, if I haven't been through the gauntlet, if I haven't been thrown in the fire, if I haven't had to have the stops along the journey and had to have the faith to stay in the room? What would I be? I would be an empty shell of a man, but we serve a God who turns suffering into perseverance, into character, and into hope. And I'm not going to lie, I am okay with walking through the fire. Just like Jairus, and just like this little girl, who God knows what kind of impact they had on the world because of that story. I mean, the fact of the matter is, it's in the Bible, The fact is, your story is being written into the book of life. Your story, every single one of our stories in this room, is a part of changing the world. And you need to recognize that. That God is a big, limitless, incredible, he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. But no, God, limit, a limitless God, limited himself. You know why? Because he loves you so much that he wants you to be a part of the change. He wants your story to be a part of advancing the kingdom on planet Earth. It's, it's crazy to me, and this is one of the reality checks I've had. As a, I'm not even a parent yet, but it's crazy to me that I have a little daughter on the way. And the Bible tells us that we need to suffer well, and that suffering does produce all this goodness. And it's crazy to me as a, as a parent now, and it's almost twisted that I welcome suffering in my daughter's life because that means that God's going to do something massive through her. And here's what you need to understand, okay, and this is so important that you grasp. I think a lot of people have a false view of God in this certain area. You have to understand that God, God does not cause suffering in your life. Okay, God's not, I think people, people uh, uh, like envision like God sitting on the throne with like this stick and like he's waiting for you to screw up so that he can like throw lightning bolts at you. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, that's people's perception of God, unfortunately. But the fact is, God is not like that at all. Band, I need you. Come here. <laughs> But God's not like that at all. He's not hurling light, bulb, light bulbs. What? He's not hurling lightning bolts down at you. This is what you need to understand. God is sitting on the throne, and when you cry, he feels the emotion. When you hurt, he feels your hurt. Jesus died on a cross so that he could feel the pain of sin. You have to understand that God is emotional. God feels with you. God is experiencing life with you. And he's so good that he works it all together so that collectively as the church, we can change the world. You look at my arm. Check this out. Shameless tattoo plug. Notice this. Mark 5, 36. Don't be afraid. Just believe. John 16, 33. In this world you may have trouble, but take heart, for I've already overcome the world. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord. He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. James 1, 4. The whole dissertation on perseverance, right? And Romans 8, 28. God will work everything together for good. It's all written here. Why? Because I need to constantly remind myself that God is working and moving in me. And this is who I've been called to be. And man, God, if you look at God in the Old Testament, funny, uh, if, if you notice that God, God was very hangry in the Old Testament, if you notice. Let me, let me tell you why. Uh, we all have this, you know, check this out. We're not just hungry for God. God's hungry for us. 
You have to understand that, right? It's not a one-way street here. God is hungry for us. And so in the Old Testament, you see God get so mad and so frustrated. You know why? Not because he wants to punish people, but because he wants to bring them closer to him. He wants them to experience joy and love and grace and peace and, and, and long being. I mean, that's what God wants for you. And it breaks his heart when you turn from it. And that's why we're called to repentance, to turn back. Thank you, Alyssa, right? That's what it's like. And God wants to see you succeed. He has a plan for you. And he wants to see your life come to fruition of what you've been called to do. Stand to your feet, please. Because I got a feeling that a lot of us are sitting in this room, standing now in this room here today. And we are hungry as all get out. Maybe you're hungry, than, more hungry than you've ever been for God. Maybe, maybe you don't even know that you're hungry. And maybe you're just hangry and you're like, God, where are you in this? God, what are you doing? God, I just need to hear you. And God, why is all this stuff happening to everybody else and not me? And maybe tonight it's just as simple as you taking a step forward and saying, I'm not going to be afraid. I just want to believe again that God is for me and not against me. That God is working on behalf of me. And if God is for me, then what can stand against me? Nothing. Nothing. So here's what, I, what we're going to do, man. There's no, no shame here. Let's do this. If tonight you just want a moment with God, remember just a touch from God can bring healing to your whole life. If tonight you're ready. And you say, God, I'm so hungry, and I just need something. I need, to, I need a reminder that you're there. I, I, need, I need you to, to move in my life. I'm, I'm so hangry right now, but I know that I can't be because I want you, God. I want you close. If that's you, if you want a touch from God here tonight, I want you to leave your seat and come right here. Come right here. Come on, if you're hungry for God, if you're hungry for a word, if you're hungry for a feeling of peace, if you're hungry for the Holy Spirit, if you're hungry for the bread of life that is Jesus Christ, then come here. In just a second, we're going to go back into worship. We're just going to seal this moment. And I'm going to pray that each and every one of you just has a touch from God. But I also want to ask this question. Maybe you're sitting out there today, and maybe today... Maybe, maybe you've perceived Jesus as being somebody who's against you. And maybe you're just so mad because life feels like it's falling apart. You don't know what to do. And maybe this God thing, this Christian thing hasn't worked. Or maybe you haven't tried it. But tonight you're like, oh, maybe this is the thing. You know what? If you're sitting in your seat tonight and you're an atheist or an agnostic, I want you to know, I know what it feels like to have no idea what to do because your life is falling apart. But you listen, I want you to know it is more exhausting to go and find satisfaction from the hungers that the world offers. And it is so life-giving to get it from God. And you just gotta trust me on that. That's part of this, it's called faith. It's called stepping out. Or maybe tonight you just wanna commit your life to Jesus. I, I, I don't know what it is, but if that's you, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want you to lift your hand in three. If tonight you wanna give your life to Jesus. Ready, one, two, three, lift them high. Come on, lift them higher than that. There we go. Come on, let's, let's give it up for all these. Come on, Sub 30, let's pray for everybody who has their hand raised now that they received Jesus. And oh man, oh, he's gonna satisfy them in a way like we can't even put words to. Let's pray for him. Everybody pray out loud. God, we love you. I give my life to you. I give my all to you. I lay my life at the foot of the cross. I put my trust in your hands. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth 
that you are Lord and I give my life to you from here on. I'm yours and you are mine. Beautiful. Come on, let's give it up. Now I'm going to pray for everybody standing here. We'll go right back into worship and let's just seal this moment. So if you guys just extend the hand forward. God, we love you so much. And God, we are so hungry for you, Jesus. And God, tonight I pray, God, that you provide spiritual food. God, that you give the bread of life in a way that no one in this room has ever experienced before. God, that you bring joy. God, that you restore your goodness in their life. And God, they know you for who you are. God, that you are a strong fortress. That you are a refuge working on behalf of them each and every day of their life. God, just give them a touch because we know that one touch from you is better than a thousand.